0: Welcome to another edition of the Mobilecast, and we're coming to you again with another edition from Bryform, and I have the pleasure of sitting down here with Dave Stafford. He is from VMware and works in the end-user computing section, but we're really here not to talk about VMware and just talk some ideas and some real interesting stuff that Dave's talked about at Bryform and a couple other times on uh, Twitter and the Internet, so
1: Dave, introduce yourself. Thanks so much for having me, Brian. Uh, so again, David Stafford. I'm a 19-year I'm a veteran of the end-user computing space. I've spent uh, a lot of my years actually in IT, uh, managed IT desktop and mobility while I was at Cisco Systems in their internal IT group, worked on a, a few different projects, and somehow I ended up where I am today, just having a blast over at VMware, but uh, thanks for having me. So, Dave, you
0: know, you did a great session last year about FUIT and some of the ways that users actually go around IT. You know, can't get out of the proxy server, so figure out the port, and then you tell everybody else, like in the Prel commercial, this person tells two people, who, and they each tell two people. There you go. Um, and, you know, said, you know, we've both seen wi- people bring in wireless access points, and although it's becoming easier to detect them and all. Um and, you know, you actually did a great presentation this year. And, you know, my favorite slide and part of what I want to spend some time talking about today is um, you think that one of the biggest problems coming up in mobility and computing and enterprises is really the data ingestion problem. Exactly. And, you know, why don't you tell us a little bit about what the data ingestion problem is and, you know, what then maybe we'll
1: see what we can do about it. Perfect. No, I think you, I think you hit it just spot on, right, a year ago, we were really talking about the whole FUIT um, trend where people were bucking IT policies and controls simply for the purpose of getting their work done. It wasn't that they, they really had it in for IT, but rather they found it too constraining, constrictive, and so they took matters into their own hands through a variety of, of somewhat nefarious means, and, and that was what I had a lot of fun talking about, being that I worked at a, a very technical organization at Cisco. Um, and, and to And to be fair, you know, it's... And, and
0: let's emphasize it. It's not that people are trying to be nefarious. It's more a question of, I turn on my computer between the antivirus, between the firewall, the proxy server, all this other stuff that's happening. I can't get my work done. Exactly. It became
1: and, a burden, right? We, we always talked about take a look down next to the clock, uh, lower right-hand corner, and you, you, you immediately see it, right? you got the software inventory agent, the antivirus agent, the disk encryption agent, the two-factor authentication agents, the RSA tokens, et cetera. Just it, it got to be maddening, and so that's really what what we kind of evolved you know the discussion towards this year. And when we look at all of the different applications and all of the different tools that are now available to us in a consumer context, what we find is that people are needing to turn less and less to the IT applications that are provided by by their employer and. What that is le- leading to, in, in my opinion, is, is this data ingestion problem. And it's simply that I am ready to say that almost all work, when it comes to the knowledge worker use case, that all work is created outside of the bounds of corporate IT controls, where it used to be created on the laptop that IT issued or that it was captured within an IT application that was able to yeah. have the focus be on leakage, that's not where content creation you, you, is. You at. had
0: your home drive. So, you know, you were on a laptop, you had your home drive. When you hit save, that's where it automatically defaulted to. Right. You know, they were network drives that were backed up, your data was always inside. Right. And, you know, I think what you're pointing out is twofold. It's the, okay, first of all, how do I do this on mobile devices when I start looking at tablet phones and laptops that aren't in the perimeter? And then there's the other piece of, you know, and I talk about this a lot, you know, the crap location. Yes. I, IT gives you, you know, a crappy app, and you say, you know, if I go to the store, I can get Evernote, I can get some of these other things where I can take notes, save them, do other stuff with that. But now now we have, as an enterprise in IT, we don't have the data anymore. The exactly. data exists on the iPad, the phone, whatever it happens to
1: be. There you go. There you go, right? So we, we're already – we've one of the conversations here this week was around defining data. And I think Dropbox, was the that was the original one where you mentioned home drive. Dropbox is my home drive today. Um, that's where I store my file data. Now, one of the things that, for instance, Jack Madden has, has pointed out is the, the inextricable data. And the inextricable data could be the, the information captured in an Evernote, right? There is no file type, per se, of Evernote. There is no file type of a Google Doc. Um, these are the systems that are now the source of record for new corporate information being captured. And these then natively and, and by design are also becoming new points for collaboration. And when people start collaborating outside of IT, now what we've got is not only the, the original idea being captured in Evernote, or the evolution of very, very detailed documents and, and analysis in spreadsheets on Google Docs, this is now the problem that IT needs to say. It's great that all of this data is out here, but what on earth can we do from an IT perspective to convince people to bring it back inside the enterprise where we can start to put enterprise controls around it?
0: Yeah, and you know, again, it goes back to you know, people are trying to work together. People are trying to collaborate. And we have SharePoint. We have other things. And they're not hard, but they're not always easy, and depending on what you're trying to do, so... You may go to Evernote. You may go to some of these other great tools. I mean, I can tell you that there are people, you know, I've seen people at work who sometimes don't use the Conference Bridge and the WebEx because there are all these other new tools out there to do that sort exactly. of thing that, you know, hey, I didn't get it, but this is free. And, you know, free and freemium is, you know, an interesting way when
1: it works better than what you have. Total, totally agree, right? There's There's just too many examples. Um, you know, the team that I worked on, we originally were on Skype. Now we just predominantly use Google Hangouts because it's, it's a one-click and we're into a collaboration session. Um, another area that we are, are constantly seeing is, you know, people go into a meeting room. They whiteboard out an idea and they exchange, you know, different thoughts on a whiteboard where they're collaborating in real time. But what do you do before you leave the meeting room? Take a picture. You take a picture. And where does the picture go? It's on your mobile phone, it's on your photo roll, you may
0: email it out. Exactly. Or you may text it, you decide how I mean, you know, and they have boards that you can put USB keys in and everything else, but it's a lot more expensive when all I have to do is take a picture. And you know, the other thing I've seen is I've seen people walk into conference rooms with projectors, hook up their iPad and use Adobe Ideas to start sketching on it as a whiteboard and then just save that as the document and mail it out or whatever
1: else. And, and you know, there's there's two things. I just these are the, the very simple, obvious things that I see to, to, to illustrate this. You know, if if you were to have your employment terminated, you know, the the question I pose to anybody is, what would you lose? And if you don't believe that this is a problem, go ahead, play it out. You know, the 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 layoff notice comes down, the pink slip comes through, your badge quits working. Um, you know, seriously, is, uh, is the iPhone backup of your contacts there for you to be able to continue to, you know, communicate and get in touch with the people that you worked with? Did all of your data magically disappear, or do you already have backups of it somewhere else? What I'm really, really tired of is the idea that, you know, many people in the audience in, in some of my sessions have, have said, you know what, it's really up to IT to provide better tools than what's in the consumer space. And I just I don't think there's not a fighting chance of an IT department in the world to try to outpace the development and the user experience that goes along with what we have in the consumer world. I I think
0: that when there is a good consumer option, that it's a very I would agree with you. It's very tough. I think when you're doing um, when you're improving processes and creating your own app, that's a little bit different. But you know, I I think that part of what we're going to see. In the next little bit, is the apps that want to play in the enterprise and that are really that are really getting traction, are going to start having some enterprise features
1: there by ta- you know as table stakes. Exactly. I mean, Evernote is a great example, right? You know, uh, time and time again, we we pull the room around. How many people are using Evernote? How many people here are supposed to be using Evernote? The same thing can be said for the Dropbox and the Box. and. Uh, and, and to be clear when we say table stakes you know
0: evernotes added evernotes added a password if you want it evernotes added some enterprise management features um, box kind of started off in the enterprise space dropbox started off with you know just plain dropbox then team space and now it actually has some enterprise features that you know it's putting in there i think you're going to see a lot more apps that have that i also think what will become interesting is a lot of these freemium apps and free apps and pieces that we start to use a lot were built quickly, and they weren't, you know, we don't necessarily question our own privacy. So we don't know where that data is, how it's being stored. And I think that if they start building for the enterprise, they're also going to meet, meet the needs of the individual user who, you know, all of a sudden cares, well, can the NSA, you know, look at my data? Where is it? What's it do? How's this work? And that sort of stuff. And I do think we'll see
1: that. That doesn't necessarily solve the enterprise problem, right? But it, it, yeah, and so I think there's there's two parts. One is going to be that we're going to see applications evolve more to provide enterprise controls and enterprise, um, just show that they recognize the enterprise use case. What I want to tell the person that's that's trying to think about what they can do to entice their users, it isn't just about providing an equal or, in most times, times an inferior. Um, functionality, but I really want people to start thinking about what are some of the business enhancement capabilities that you can deliver new business value to where people are going to want to turn over their data in order to put it into a collaborative context with their coworkers, with their peers, to encourage them to uh, to upload and to share that information that they may have captured outside.
0: Yeah, I, I, we were in a session yesterday with Brian Madden who said, you know, talked about a concept that I both think we kind of liked, although I'm not sure how we would do it, about, you know, bribing your users to actually store data with you and, you know, as part of the bribe, you know, maybe we pay for your iPad, but you have to give us the data. But e- even then, though, the issue is how do we funnel that data? Because we can't say give us the data by, you know, just put it here. It's not, it's not so easy. We actually have to develop solutions and look at solutions out there that, You know, when people are looking at apps and find apps, it's how do you get that data out of that app?
1: Exactly. And and those are some of the ideas that people have thrown at us this week, right? We heard Brian Madden suggest, uh, you know, bribing people with an iPad to turn over local admin rights to to lock it down. And and this morning we heard uh, Noah Wasmer say that, you know, what I I would paraphrase uh, from that was that if we get our hooks in sooner, we'll have a greater opportunity of control. And that could mean that, again, by buying an iPad, that we've effectively thwarted the user's, you know, uh, ability to go around IT, but rather that's the carrot. The carrot is we'll provide you a, a modern device or a stipend, et cetera. In exchange, you will allow us to to have greater hooks into, into what happens there. Um, you know, I think the jury is still out on where that would be effective and, and how that could be implemented.
0: Yeah, so, you know, in a lot of ways what we're talking about is mobile information management because... How do we manage our corporate information when you create it on your iPad, your Android, your Windows uh, phone? How do you actually, you know, that's still my information. You're working for me. I own that. How do I get that in and take care of that? Um, I think what becomes interesting and maybe the term that you need to use when you talk about this data ingestion issue is it's not necessarily information or file type, but in reality it's content. How do we get our content? And you know, part of it is actually speaking the language and getting people to realize there's a problem in the first place.
1: Right, and I couldn't agree more. Um, the, the term content, uh, I can I can roll this one back. You know, seven years in my career. You know, one of the things that we we watched is content, it is certainly not files alone anymore. Right, originally when I started to use content, I wanted to distinguish word documents and Excel files from real time forms of content, videos. Uh, videos in terms of real-time video communications. There's all of these different forms and media types that represent content. And some of them are streaming, some of them are static, some of them are inextricably linked to a web application. And really the, the, the arrows that we're concerned about, in my opinion, they've changed. It used to be the arrow drawn of data escaping the enterprise and this is where we really need to figure out better how we're going to bring the data into the enterprise.
0: Yeah, and I you know, I think that you know one of the nice things we saw yesterday in Brian and Gabe's session uh, was when they were talking about the perimeter and how to handle you know, there's how do we handle people in the perimeter and we give people really two different experiences. If you're on site, you know, if you're a laptop you plug in, if you're home you VPN in, you know, you have an iPad it's different when you're coming in on three G or if you have Wi Fi at work versus Wi Fi at home. That may be actually three different ways to hook in. Right. And you know their big thing is get rid of the perimeter. Right. Make make doesn't matter whether you're at work or home. Build your apps and your services to actually interact with what's on the device. And you know that actually has a big piece to do with you know data ingestion and all because. Really, all your devices become your own, Exactly. exactly. regardless of who owns them.
1: I mean, this, this was a term that Cisco coined several years ago was borderless networks, right? The whole concept of a borderless network was erasing that hard perimeter. And, you know, one of the remarks made was around as we become more interdependent on multiple external cloud services. You know, this was one of the points out of my talk was evolving IT skill sets, where this is no longer about building, you know, a, a crunchy shell and putting up, you know, very well-defined boundaries, but really, how are we going to better map the the interrelation between multiple cloud services that can play on the identity side? And that's, you know, one of the things I talked about was was around the need to to skill up on Saml. Um, another around OAuth and the idea that. Uh, Object level permissions are going to be granted between many of these these different services. So maybe not all of your Evernote um, needs to be granted back to the enterprise, but maybe you have a business workbook.
0: Yeah, um, I, I, that's a great comment because you know, for example, there are a couple of personal things I keep in Evernote because it's the right place for me to keep them. Um, and you know, I kind of let structure as a reminder service sometimes, or some individual thoughts like when I'm doing a podcast. You know, or the like, which is different from every time I walk into a work meeting, I throw up Evernote and I start taking notes. So, you know, it, it becomes interesting. I think identity, is, you know, we actually had uh, Paul Madsen on here, you know, right. a few months ago. And, you know, we were we were trying to get to the basics between uh, Paul and uh, Bill Pelletier about, you know, OAuth, SAML, and identity. And I think identity just has a huge piece to play in here. You know, we, you know, today it's it's Ackles and you know access rights and how you do it and how we start doing that in the future when we're talking about these types of
1: devices, and especially with single sign-on, um, comes real interesting. Again, this is one of those things where uh, one of the areas that I'm I'm amused when we start talking about identity is the perception that some have that identity is a context switch that you are toggling between identities. And one of the things that I think is, is important to recognize is that persona and identities are concurrent in people's lives. You know I'm, I you know one of my hobbies is I'm one of those um, Christmas light freaks. Um, I have a, a Christmas light display of, of about 35,000 Christmas lights. And if somebody wants to come and talk to me about Christmas lights right this very moment, I am every bit as much someone that would be interested in the topic of Christmas lights. As I would be talking about end-user computing, talking about desktop virtualization, talking about data ingestion problems, people's persona are concurrent; their interests are concurrent, and being able to carefully subdivide these into you know clean buckets to avoid pollution um, or leakage between one persona or one aspect of our identity and another is something that I think is is eroding you know pretty quickly. Um. I I
0: sent actually a tweet out probably two weeks ago, where the tweet, pretty much what I said was there is no such thing as dual persona. You have a, you have a work life and a home life, but let's be fair. This day and age, they blend. So what you do, you know, at work versus home. Your Christmas light example is a great one. You know, for me, I have this mobility life, the podcast, you know, the blogs, but you know, I play soccer. Yes, and you know. I'm an EPL fan, you know, Barclays Premier League. Um, and so, you know, on a Saturday morning, if you watch me tweet, it's a good time to mute me because, you know, for me, I'm talking about Manchester United. I'm watching the other games. And at work, there, there, are, my, there are people at work who, you know, stop in my office and we'll have a 10-minute conversation about, you know, the game this weekend or whatever else. And it doesn't mean we don't get our work done. You know, it's right. still the same persona. And we don't, we don't
1: think in dual personas. Com- completely agree. Completely agree. Right. So, in, in fact, I mean, what you just said, that was an example of one of the hallway conversations this week was specifically how to mute Manchester United tweets from Brian Katz because, um, you know, while, while we appreciate eighty five percent of the things that you have to say, that's uh, that's one that we're we're, we're fine to omit. Um, it, it it is. It's one of those things that I really am am just tired of the, uh, of of this. Concept that it's just a clean line, and that we can shut down one half of our of, of our being in order to in order to work outside the uh, you know normal context of
0: well, I think that that's part day, that's part of what mobility brings to you know when we talk about mobility, we're talking about we want to enable people to be flexible and agile so they can be more productive and efficient, and we want them to be able you know flexible and agile means do their work when they need to do it. But where they need to be, and where they need to work, is no longer a place you go; it's what you do, it's your job, right. you know. And so, when you start looking at it, it's why you know why cell signals so important in a building. We did we did you know it's funny, we're having these conversations. We're kind of tying back together a bunch of podcasts. We did one with you know I did one with Art King about two months ago, where we talked about him building wireless and you know small cell Wi-Fi and why it was important. Solely for the fact that, you know what, I come to work now, and if there's an emergency, I expect my cell phone to ring. You know, I may be in six meetings a day, whatever else, and I may turn my cell phone off. But for my wife and my kids, you need me. I expect you to be able to reach me. Absolutely. And, you know, so it's definitely – I certainly think it's definitely a single persona. You may have aspects to it, but, you know, it then becomes – How do we solve this data ingestion problem? You know, and identity I think adds to the issue, doesn't subtract from it.
1: Correct, correct. And this is where this is kind of where I'm I'm of the opinion that if we agree that we are a single persona, and we agree that all content that we create happens within a a, an individual's user, you know, their their personal space. um, That was actually the, the topic this morning on the Today Show was you know a, a person's personal space to be cl- to be clear Dave I'm getting scared now I was well, okay with
0: christmas lights but you watched the today show
1: you know I, and I'm talking about personal space uh, let's, we're we're good so to be clear he's sitting on the other side of the table he has lots of personal space right right no we're we're not cuddling um, to be clear so if all if all content is created within someone's personal space and what we are now trying to do is we're now trying to create the linkages of what I have done that has a work context. Once we establish work context, what I want to do is now I want to get that information back in, most likely is for the collaboration of peers and colleagues. And it's going to be up to me as an individual to determine what content is appropriate to be shared, what appropriate information that I'm consuming can be shared you know, outside of my, my work bounds. but those are not going to be defined by firewalls, by virtual appliances, by certificates. Those are going to be defined by people's choices and actions over what they're able to cross over. We can apply this exact same model to so many other things that we've already we've already done. I've heard one person talk about corporate-issued briefcases. I've heard another one talk about engineering notebooks um, from the 80s where all notes were needed to be taken in the corporate pen and paper pad so that when they left, they had to turn over their engineering notebooks. Um, I think that this is just one of those things that it is, it is no longer about needing to have a corporate-issued device, a corporate-issued notebook, a corporate-issued anything. You know, Back in, in college, what happens if you missed a lecture? If you missed a lecture, you exchange notes with someone else that was present in the, uh, in the class and that was how you got caught up, even if you were present. You mean when you purposely slept through the lecture because you were you know, out the night before partying. We, no one ever takes an 8 a.m. class on a Friday. Um, Thursday nights are rough. But just the, the, the whole idea that even if you were present in the class, you're still exchanging notes and you're still comparing that. And in, in, that's exactly what we're now doing in an enterprise collaborative sense. Is well, I,
0: I think it's what we hope to be doing. And, you know, I, I don't think we're completely there yet. You know, it's one of the issues I have with dual personas, virtualization, some of these other solutions for mobile of, you know, you may be able to install any application in there, and it may be owned by the enterprise, but if the enterprise can't get at that data, you know, if it, instead of Evernote, you get Simple Note, which has no, and you know, enterprise hooks into it. Okay, great. I can keep my data separate from my personal data, but you don't have a way to get it. Sure. And, you know, so it becomes – I don't I don't think I – well, I, I'll say I don't know what the magic bullet is to this. But, I. you know, I do know that part of it is, as with anything mobile when we talk about enablement, it's making it frictionless and transparent. You know, how do I – it's okay if I have to figure out where to put data, but it should be easy. So it's just – it's second nature of, okay, you know, just touch this once, the data flies off, I'm done. I didn't really have to think about it and say, okay – which one's my home drive again which one's work which one's you know which one's my right dropbox or box
1: or whatever else it happens to be yeah now now one of the ideas that i've had that i i'm you know this is one of those half baked ideas i'll admit um, is simply around auditing and the whole idea if if i was to be terminated or if i was to be terminating an employee and it was able to help me assess my risk it isn't necessarily about telling me what information um, I think that that person may or may have created on their local device. But I do think it would be very interesting at uh, at an audit level to be able to say, the person that is you know being examined right now, they have had access to source code. They have had access to these customer accounts. Um, here is the history of the last 90 days, right? Because inevitably, if someone is going to leave the company and they certainly, they, you know, they start dumping their PSDs. They start dumping their uh, contact list out of Salesforce.com, or doing mass exports of the LDAP in order to get everyone's cell phone number before they uh, they exit the company. Um, if you can't tell, uh, Dave has had some
0: background in this stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know, before VMware, he was at Cisco. He had to deal with a bunch of this stuff. And you know, when people were leaving, also he he's very familiar with the tools to do this. You Maybe th- VMware should be careful with you, but that's just me. No, no,
1: no. This is—we're uh, joking. Though. This is all just intuitively obvious things that that people don't want to don't want to admit. Um, I spoke on a, on a series one time called the the Evil Insider, and you know the threat of someone maliciously trying to extract data from an organization, you know, is is way more concerning than the casual iPad left in the TSA tray at the at uh, the airport. Um, you know. Somebody somebody grabs my iPad. Chances are, they just want to wipe the thing and start over and, and get their music on it. M- probably more than they're interested in my bare naked ladies music collection. Um, I wasn't sure when I heard the word bare naked come I, out of you
0: where you were going with that, but I'm I, I'm, I'm glad you. BNL
1: Canadian band out of Toronto. I'm a, I'm a massive fan.
0: So I, I'm I'm happy you went there. And you know, <laughs> but again, this this points to the fact that the user isn't trying to be nefarious. They're not trying to. They're not trying to steal data. They're not trying. They don't want to lose their iPad any more than uh, you want them to lose it. They're not trying to use apps that you know purposely go around the enterprise. They're just trying to get their work done.
1: Yeah, it's just. I mean, we, we always hear about the reports of the lost laptop, and we all have gotten the letters from our vendors saying that you know a security breach has occurred and social security numbers may have been leaked. Um, in, in the free year of of uh, Identity Guard, dot whatever, um one of the things I just think would be extremely helpful is people love personalized content. They love being able to, you know, know a little bit or learn a little bit more about, you know, the, uh, the information that they have, whether it's analytics, et cetera. So putting that back and being able to say, you know, just Brian, we'd like to thank you for your, for years of service. We're letting you go. Um, by the way, we are aware that you have had access to the following bits of material. We are expecting that that has all been turned in, and in, in, uh, etc. But if nothing else, just a reminder to you that if you're going to a competitor, if you are, um, you know, really upset at your boss, just a final warning on your way out the door. We know that you have had access to all of this, and should any of this become, you know, material information in a, you know, in a in a data leak or, or competitive nature, um, you know. We'll hold you responsible for that content. I really think that there's a certain benefit of having that level of auditing to remind our users and remind you know our our management as well what level of exposure they've they've given to. Uh, yeah, it's an interesting concept and it makes
0: sense to me in a lot of ways. But also, in some ways, I don't know how you do it. You know, I know you're on a project. I don't know what you've produced. You know, if you're if you're using a, you know, let's not say, if you're using Simple Note, some of these other tools, I don't know what you've produced, I don't know what you actually have, and that's kind of where, you know, it makes sense. I just don't know how you handle it in those situations.
1: No, and, and this is one where there's still more questions than answers, um, which is why I think, you know, the, the topics that we start discussing this year, what I, what I love about Briforum Forum and, and the community aspect of the industry, is I just want to get this dialogue started. I want people smarter than me to be able to come back and and offer ways that they have been able to encourage people to to bring data back into the enterprise. We've heard you know a couple of suggestions already, which might mean that I get a you know my employer to pay for my iPad Mini Retina if uh, if all goes well.
0: Oh, well, let's let's be fair here. You're going to find a way to get them to pay for it anyway. Dave. Well, you know, for testing purposes or. Uh it's amazing how many IT people need a lot of devices for testing purposes. Testing, regardless of what their job is, which is always a fun way to look at it. Um, I, was that your session? No, I, I think it was a different session that somebody asked about that, or maybe it was. Yours. I, I, I
1: pulled the audience several times around how many people you know got an iPhone for testing purposes, and then turned right around and got an iPad for testing purposes. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's it's. Gadget lovers like me, there's no better place in the industry to be.
0: Okay, so we're going to wrap up here, but yeah, I got to ask you: thirty-five thousand Christmas lights. How long does it take to put
1: up, and what's your display look like? Sure, sure. So you can uh, you can actually go down YouTube, and uh, on YouTube you can search for Highcroft Lights. Uh, Highcroft Lights will bring you up to uh, just a sample of some of my my, my display of last year. But uh, yeah, I, I've gone now from a static display to a. a uh, music choreographed display, and I've gone from twenty-five thousand uh, this year. I'm going up to thirty-five thousand lights. Um, I'm going to actually. Start... Does it does it take you all year to plan this? Um, I am in the process of. of it's called sequencing when you uh, when you set the, the songs to music. Um, so I am in the process of sequencing right now some of the songs for this year's display, and you know it's uh, it's a really really fun thing. I had a I had a. You know, a seventh grader last year that would come over with a lawn chair and a, you know, a thermos of hot cocoa. And we just camp out and watch the light display for, for 15 or 20 minutes. And it uh, gives me an outlet for, for a lot of my interests. I was I was on tech crew back in my high school days and, and loved lighting, and, and now I'm a computer dweeb. So it
0: well, you know, ties ge- it all
1: together. We're all geeks at heart,
0: but, you know, it, it's an interesting hobby. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind the little Hanukkah Harry in the corner of your you display, know,
1: I'm, but um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm open and open and welcoming to all. If uh, if I can have a if I can make a menorah dance, I am all for it. So
0: so very cool. Wait. So
1: for those of you that missed it, you go say it again. You go where Highcroft Lights on YouTube, and you'll uh, you'll see my intro and in one of my songs where I I lit up 1,800 channels on an LED Christmas tree with uh, with 1,800 uh, LEDs of, of Varying colors and where did the name Highcroft come from it's the name of my my, my neighborhood oh okay um, In North in North Carolina is Highcroft so.
0: now are you the only one in that neighborhood who really does this or you I'm have like only,
1: a- I'm the only sequenced one in the neighborhood but uh, no there's there's some great great people there's a gentleman from IBM he has actually secondary service from the power company pulled in oh, wow. um, so uh, shout out to my good friend Denny Cole Denny Cole is all incandescent um, but my entire display is all LED. And so it comes in at 13 amps, which is less than a vacuum cleaner. Very nice. So, uh, anybody listening, please go out, and enjoy it, favorite it, and uh, you know I'll keep you updated as the 2013 display progresses.
0: So, I mean, this was an absolutely fun conversation. <laughs> you know, these are the type of mobile that I love because, quite honestly, it's really a conversation. We're having fun. Topics tend to range, and you know, today was really interesting because I thought when you brought up data ingestion. Um, it was a great point. So, f- first, Dave, I want to thank you for being on.
1: Thank you. Um, where can people find you? Hey, you know, I'm I'm pretty accessible. Best best and easiest way for everyone: Twitter at d Stafford, S T A F F O R D. So at d Stafford. Um, you know, okay. we'd and love to you, keep the. Do you have a blog as well or no? Um, you know, I'm actually I'm, I'm between blogs. We'll, we'll we'll say that. Okay. Uh, so, at, we'll, had a we'll, go daddy mishap.
0: So um, <laughs> we will put we will put that up um, in the show notes so everybody can find it and we'll, you know and to be fair we'll have Dave send us the links and we'll put we'll put in the lighting links as well there we go. so you know you can go to, straight to them as opposed to having to search because we like to make life easy that's what it's all about but um, thanks for being on the show and thank you listeners um, this has been a great show again you have comments or suggestions please tweet them to us at the mobilecast or hit the website. And, you know, we're always looking for things that you're interested in. So, again, until next episode.